the Gospel of John and chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1, and we'll be reading from John chapter 1, verses 29 to 43. Verses 29 to 43 in a minute. And also, when you found that verse, those verse, that section of God's word, John chapter 1, verses 29 to 43, please also, once you've found that, um, maybe get your finger and go to the book of Isaiah. So we'll also be looking at Isaiah 53 as well after we read that passage of Holy Scripture. So John chapter 1, verses 29 to 43, and then also after that we'll be looking at Isaiah 53, the whole of that chapter. And we'll be looking at these verses of Holy Scripture under the title, Looking to the Lamb of God, Looking to the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is our theme for this communion season. We began last Friday, uh, the pre-communion service, and we will uh, end this communion season this evening at our Thanksgiving service, looking at Revelation chapter 5, looking at the victorious lamb in the evening, giving praise to God for the wonderful food we will have here this morning in the Lord's table, partaking of the bread and of the cup. But this theme of our communion season, the Lamb of God. Uh, the Lamb of God is not a new theme that John brings up when he points toward Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a very old idea. The idea of a Lamb who would come and be a substitute in place of sinners and die in the place of sinners. And on Friday evening we looked at the Passover Lamb. The Passover lamb, this picture of that lamb who is shed and his blood shed and applied. And then the destroyer passing over the doorposts of the homes where that blood was applied. But that blood in and of itself did not save anyone. It pointed toward the perfect final shedding of blood. And that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. No more would there be sacrifice of animals in the temple. It would now be complete. Uh, the, the temple is rent. The, there's a way open to the inner holy of holies. And all those we saw on Friday, without that blood in Egypt, death would visit them. Death would come to all, not under the blood. The destroyer would visit that home and take away the life of the firstborn. But I want us to look briefly before we read the scripture and think about the lamb. And I want to talk to the boys and girls about lambs. Have you ever seen boys and girls in a field, lambs in the field, hopping throughout the field? I wonder, boys and girls, do any of you like sheep? Sheep are wonderful, aren't they? Now, when you think of a sheep, do you think of, oh, they're scary. Are they scary, sheep? Sheep aren't scary, are they? And what about a lamb, a wee small lamb? So harmless, aren't they? You're not thinking, oh no, I'm scared, that's a lamb. Has anybody ever gotten scared of a lamb? No, you don't get scared of lambs, do you? They are, they're not scary, are they? Actually, people would often say lambs are pretty cute, aren't they? But lambs, 
They're never that animal who's going to run after and attack another. Have you ever seen a lamb attack another animal? The lamb was running after and maybe starts attacking your dog. Have you ever seen that? That never happens, does it? Lambs are so sweet. They're, they're a picture of innocence, aren't they? Purity. Harmless. Humility. They're probably the least dangerous animal you could think of. But imagine this, boys and girls. That this sweet lamb had to come and die for sinners. It's, a, it's an amazing picture. Does the lamb deserve death? No, not at all. And who is called the lamb of God in scripture? Who is given this picture? And he's not, the name starts with J. It's Jesus, isn't it? John looks and points this. Behold, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will die. He's coming to die. He's coming to shed his blood. And he's coming that you can be set free from your sin. And from death. And from hell. He is the just dying for the unjust. And everyone here. Regardless of your age, regardless of your background, doesn't matter how much money you have, all of us need this blood to cover us. Boys and girls, you need this lamb too. You need to trust in him and in him alone to feed us. What do his lambs do? They feed us, but they also clothe us. And how does this lamb feed and clothe us? By faith and by faith alone. So John chapter 1 verses 29 to 43. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. The next day John saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who is preferred before me for he was before me. I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speaking and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeing them following, and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. 
and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And please now turn with me as well to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, which very much looks at the inner suffering or what our Lord went through himself, prophesied many hundreds of years before the Lord walked upon the earth. Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When, he, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by, the, by his knowledge My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and infallible word. Returning again once to to John chapter 1 for verses 29 to 43. When we come to the New Testament and when we see a phrase used like this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is not a brand new statement that John the Baptist is inventing. It is not some new phrase or some new inventive way he's thinking about describing the Savior of the world. This is a phrase that goes back thousands of years, written about in Scripture, all the way back to the institution of the Passover itself. In a sense, all the way back to the first slain animal after the fall of Adam and Eve. So this is not a new idea at all. This is thousands of years of the shedding of Innocent animals for the sins of our sins, pointing toward the blood 
it is to point towards. That is what John speaks about when he says, Behold the Lamb of God. It's important that we don't just think that the Bible began at Matthew and at Mark. It didn't. Thousands of years had passed before this statement was made by John. It starts with Adam and Eve. Actually, even it starts earlier than that in Adam and Eve. Creation week. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It then goes on to Cain and Abel. Uh, It goes on and talks about the flood of judgment of sinful men. Noah and his family. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel as a nation. And as God gives them holy scripture, holy truth, he gives them, what does he give them? Pictures. Pictures showing that redemption would come through one who was to come. The lamb. Slain. Innocent, but yet killed for the deliverance of others. Pictures pointing toward one Savior. And there's many different pictures of this, but one of these pictures is that lamb. So it's not a new idea. In Genesis 22, verse 8, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Even that type was back then with Abraham and Isaac. Rather than sacrificing his only begotten son, what does he do? There's a lamb God will provide instead. A substitute. It all goes all the way throughout the book of Leviticus. There's a substitute needed and blood is to be applied to the doorposts of our hearts. If we are to come to before the Lord's Supper. We have to look toward and ourselves in our hearts say in our hearts, behold look, see pay attention to the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. That's what faith looks like. It looks to Him. It pays attention to Him and it glorifies Him. Our first point here this morning is the Lamb's identification the lamb's identification if you've ever gone through security at an airport you have to show your id your identification and your id will have a picture of yourself and it will have your name and it will identify who you are basically you say here's who that person is well this is what john is doing here in verse 29 The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John knew exactly who he was talking about. In verse 30, it says this, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And identifies him even further in verse 34. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The Son of God. And it points toward identifying who the Lamb of God is. Here he is, who would take away the sin of the world. Now what is a lamb? As we looked at earlier. A lamb is a picture of innocence, purity. We do not think, we do not think that of them in the same way of a wolf or a lion, do we? 
what happens if you see, and there's a picture of this in the book of Isaiah, the lion and the lamb lying down together. What will often happen? Will the lion be eaten by the lamb? No. The lamb will be eaten by the lion. That's what typically happens. This is what nature teaches us. But he is identified as this lamb. The lamb is typically eaten. He is consumed. He is food and clothing. But he's not an animal of prey in any way. In no way, you've never seen a lamb devour another animal. He gives life to others. He gives food to others. I sometimes like to watch nature programs and sometimes you'll see wolves hunting and lions hunting. And so when we think of lions and all these, we think of danger. If you actually, if there was a lion running around in this building, you'd probably try to find the exit pretty fast. But if there was a lamb let loose in the building, you'd probably run towards it because it's not dangerous. The weakest of all, it's so harmless, so innocent. So if you're coming here this morning, perhaps you are having a difficult week. Perhaps you're having a difficult month or a difficult year so far. Imagine this. The most innocent, harmless Lamb of God comes into this world to die. And to suffer. To feed us all. Has he, did he harm anyone in an unjust way? Not at all. You might be here this morning and feel hard done by. But there's none who has been more hard done by, you could say, than the Lamb of God himself. Innocent. That value as well, he's the son of God. That value to cover our sins, that lamb. We we pointed this out as well in Friday evening at the pre-communion. Your lamb, this is the Passover lamb, shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Also in, it says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. Over and over again, you see this picture of without blemish, without blemish. Why? Because he had to be perfect. He had to be that innocent lamb of God. The just, he couldn't be, have any sin on him at all. The just dying for the unjust. And who is the unjust in this story? You and I. Sinners. First Peter says this, For Christ also suffered once for sinners, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. There is no one who has suffered more unjustly, you could say. He took the wrath of God. There's one sense in which it was the greatest miscarriage of justice. But in another case, it was just for him to go because his father had sent him. And when we see this picture of the lamb, may it remind us of Christ. Innocent, pure, harmless, inoffensive, meekness. It even says it in 
in the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Meekness is to be like Christ. Humbleness. That is what it's like to be like Christ. And what was the attitude in John chapter 1 when when they're seeing him? They say, like, they're basically saying, behold the Lamb of God. Now, that word behold is not used in English much anymore, is it? You don't really see people in the streets anymore saying, behold. It's not typically used anymore. But what does it mean? It means look. It means pay attention to. It means this is important. And so when you see it in your Bibles, it's pointing towards something for us to pay attention to. Come and see him, verses 37 to 39. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeing them following, and said to them, What do you seek? Then said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, it was about the tenth hour. And this morning, dear friends, as we come before the Lord's table, come and see. Isn't it amazing, this sign and seal that the Lord has given us? That we can see it with our eyes, the bread and the cup. That we can hold it in our hands. That we can taste and see. It's there to encourage us. The Lord's table is there to encourage us, to remind us. That's what the the idea of a seal is. A seal is at the end of a document. If you ever go to university or college, there's a seal to say that this is a legitimate document. It's there to increase your confidence in what is written. A seal is there, set before our eyes, to increase our confidence in the promises of God. And that's what the Lord's Supper does. His food, his drink, and it's all by faith. Come and see him. Number two now, the Lamb's mission. The Lamb's mission. So we've looked at the Lamb's identification. Now we're going to look at the Lamb's mission. It says in verses 34 to 35 of John 1. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Verse 36. And looking at Jesus as he walked and he said... Behold, remember that word, behold, look, pay attention to, the Lamb of God. Now, with this image and the identification of him as a lamb, we may get the wrong idea that Christ is somehow helpless. That he in no way wanted to go to the cross, that he was a helpless victim. Now, Christ came, and this is what we call his humiliation. He was brought low. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was born under the law. He was born into the sin-cursed world, the king of glory, taking our sin, our curse. But he did so willingly. He did so willingly. He agreed to do this before the foundation of the world. It's important, dear friends, that we don't think of the will of the Father and the will of the Son as at odds with each other. Or that the Son from all eternity is just going along with the Father. They are one, 
Dear friends, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, their will, their desire, they are one. The Son willingly came to die. To be that harmless, innocent, pure sacrifice for sin. And in his divine will, being one with the Father, never ceasing to be God, filling all things. And we have to remind ourselves of that. Though Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the majesty on high. At the same time, because he is true God, he fills all things and he is here with us today. And he will be here with us until the end of the world to those that love him. And he will be here with us at the Lord's table because he is true God. Never ceasing to be God. John 10 verses 17 and 18 says this, Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. The lamb is just but one picture of this king of glory. It is his intention, his reason for coming and taking upon human flesh that he may die. Now, if you had heard this from a person on this world, and you say, what is your, what is your goal in life? Why are you here? And if somebody told you it was to die, you'd probably be very concerned about that person. But he had a mission to die the just For the unjust. This is why he was here. See I say this because. While at the same time. At the hands of cruel men. This lamb was killed. It was a heinous sin. A horrible miscarriage of justice. From the point of view of men. But from the point of view of God. It was holy and righteous. And glorious. See the difference. What the Jews did. Was sinful and wrong. What the Romans did. And crucifying the Lord of glory was sinful and wrong. But look what it says here in Acts chapter 2 verse 23. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands. Have crucified and put to death. So from the point of view of God. From God it was the first cause of all things. It is glorious. It is what he came to do. But it does not excuse them of their sin. I am no fan of many Christian movies that aim to portray things in the Bible. But years ago, whenever I saw any movie that tried to predict, you know, depict the cross or anything else like that, there's a, there's a problem with it because it breaks the second commandment. Any image of Christ is a, is a, is a break of the second commandment. But whenever it's depicted... There's always a sense of tragedy, isn't there? There's always a sense of almost failure, isn't there? Whenever you see these movies and depictions. And they show a distorted view of Christ's mission. Because, dear friends, he came to die. That's why he came. And when he sacrificed himself for our sin... It is not mission failure that he died. Mission accomplished. Actually, victory over his enemies. He put his enemies 
the world, sin, death and hell under his feet by coming to die. So this is one of the reasons, one many reasons, I'm not a big fan of many Christian movies because they give us a, a twisted view of these things. It is mission accomplished. He did exactly what he came to do. In Isaiah 53 verse, verse 10 it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Or you could also translate that, to crush him. That is God the Father pouring out his wrath on God the Son. He has put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Mission accomplished. Victory through this death. And his resurrection from the dead. So the lamb's identification, the lamb's mission. Now number three, the lamb's affliction or suffering. The lamb's affliction. The lamb comes to take away the sin of the world. But how? How does he take away the sin of the world? Often you'll see with this, if... How do you know how much people care about you? How much they will endure and suffer for you? Now I'm talking about creature to creature. How much someone is willing to suffer for you? Or how much it costs them to be there for you? That's how much they love you. Now again I'm speaking about creatures here. God is different. God does not suffer. God is love. God neither loses or gains anything because he cannot change. He is pure being before the foundation of the world. He never changes. He is glorious. But as creatures, as creatures, as finite creatures, we see love one toward another. How and what it costs us. Think about this. The infinite God who could not suffer He takes upon flesh so that he could suffer, be afflicted. And as we approach the Lord's table, he doesn't just offer you parts of his life. He gives you his body and he gives you his blood. Is he holding back anything from you, dear friend, here this morning? Believer in Jesus Christ, is the Lord keeping back anything from his life from you? And as we think about this, are you keeping anything back from him? Is there an area of your life you say, I know the Lord wants me to do this. It's so clear in the scriptures, but I will do what I want to do. As we've looked at previous sermons The Christian life is a life of self-denial. Picking up your cross and following the Lord daily. It is a life of putting our sins to death. And as we come before the table. As we accept him by faith. As we trust in him by faith. Let us be willing to give it all to him. Because he's worthy. He is worthy. Let nothing come between us and him. It says this, thinking about his suffering. This is the suffering that Jesus went through. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 3. 
Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He is despised and we did not esteem him. Well think about this. Through the book of Isaiah. One of the things that Isaiah is dealing with is idols. There's one true and living God. And here is this suffering servant spoken about here. Who is this talking about? As we said earlier, God cannot suffer. He is perfect. He cannot be touched. But here we have a suffering servant who would come and suffer and die. Verse 7 of the same chapter. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. What he has endured for us, we will scarcely be able to get our minds around. He endured mocking for us. The king of glory. He was mocked, spat upon, buffeted. Are we too good? To endure the taunts of this world for the sake of Christ. Because you will be. It's only a question of how much you face it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. For him. It's all for him. And we also can see the inner sufferings of Christ in Psalm 22. We're going to be, read, we're going to be singing from this later on during the Lord's table. Psalm 22, verses 14 and 18. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced My hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They looked and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. There's something amazing about the Psalms. There's something that even in the Gospels they don't quite get into. The inner turmoil that the Lord of glory, the King of glory was going through. In his human flesh. The inner turmoil. My tongue clings to my jaws. The suffering he went through. And why did he do it? To set us free from death. From hell. And to also be able to. As he will this morning Lord willing. Nourish us. With his body. And his blood. And his life. And his resurrection. Our final point is the Lord's intercession. The Lord's intercession. The Lamb came to die. As we remembered in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. To take away the sin of the world. Why? So that we can have right relationship with God. Our sins washed clean. Clothed with the righteousness of Christ. To have right relationship. And he intercedes. He comes between the sinner and the one offended. The one offended is God. And the sinner, that is us. 
He intercedes. He gives aid. He gives all that we need to have right relationship with God. All we need to do is something that even God gives, which is faith. He gives it as a gift. It is by grace alone that we looked with the eye of faith toward Jesus Christ, who is that Lamb of God. It says in Hebrews 2.16, For indeed, he does not give aid, that is help, to angels. But he gives, he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. And who is the seed of Abraham today? Who has been grafted into that one olive tree? It says in Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. There's one people of God all the way back from the fall of Adam toward the end of the world. He ever lives today to make intercession for that one people. In the Old Testament there were types and shadows looking toward the one who would come. Now we have a greater clarity. A greater fullness. He dies. He comes. No longer are we as God's people coming To shed the blood of Passover lambs. His blood has been shed. So no longer is there any more blood to be shed. Within the temple of God. The temple has been rent. And it is no more. Never to be rebuilt again. How can Christ beckon us and come before us. And be here with us here this morning. As we said earlier, he is true God. He fills all things. And dear friends, as he went out from us, as he departed from us visibly, he will so return to us again. So as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's not... Mission failure, it's mission accomplished. And there's greater glory to come. Think of, dear friends, how wonderful it is, how wonderful the simplicity of New Testament worship is. No longer all the, 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 the trimmings that they once had and all the complications of different things that were given to the Levitical priesthood. Now we have set before us in bread and the fruit of the vine. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ offered to all those who will look to Jesus Christ. He is food indeed. He is drink indeed. He nourishes. He gives life. And without food, there is no life. Have you been born again of the Spirit? Come, be fed by Christ here this morning. It says in John 6, verse 53 onwards, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. As your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. See what Jesus is doing. He's comparing, look, if you partake of literal bread, 
This will not make you live forever. But if you feed on Christ, you will live forever. And how can you eat of this this body and blood of Jesus Christ? It's not literally eating on him as some may teach. It is believing on him. It is trusting in him. And then he graciously gives us these signs and seals. They're there to encourage us. If you're struggling here this morning, dear friend, it is there to encourage you, the believer in Jesus Christ, struggling on their way to Canaan. Struggling, but yet looking with the eye of faith toward Jesus Christ. This this morning, dear friends, have you looked? Is the blood of the Lamb Behold the Lamb who suffered and died. Has His blood been applied to the doorposts of your heart? Have you got a circumcised heart? Is your heart different? Have you, has your heart been changed that you say when you see the Lamb of God, Behold, here is somebody worthy of attention. Here is somebody worthy of our faith. Here is someone worthy of our trust. No matter how small your faith may be, come to the table. Oh, but I'm struggling here this morning. Even more reason to come. You need the table. You need the bread and the cup. You need Christ. See, dear friends, what we need in the church of today is not more advertising or whatever things that people think will get people into the church. We need more of Christ. We need more Feeding on him. This is what the Lord gives us in the Lord's Supper. He feeds us. He sustains us. He nourishes us. He encourages us. But I also give warning as well before we come to the table. If you do not have faith in him, you're here and you think, what's all this? I don't believe I'm a sinner. I don't see that I need the blood of the Lamb. Do not come. You will bring more wrath upon your own head. There is a warning in scripture. That you will eat and drink damnation to your own soul. If you come in an unworthy manner. All of us are unworthy. In one sense. But in Christ. We're accepted in the beloved. Through him. In him. May all things glorify him. Amen.